بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته The brothers come to Yusuf Taslim's father <coughs> and they come in a manner that they are crying. They come to their father and they cry. Parents will tell you that if children, two things, <laughs> if they talk too much or when they're giving a story, when you ask them something and immediately they start crying, then be careful. If they're talking, if they're explaining something, and or if they're too happy, subhanAllah, if they're just talking, talking, talking all the time and they normally don't do that, then there must be a bit of a problem. Just look into the matter. Not saying there is a problem. And secondly, if you ask them a question, say, who did this? Oh, he just immediately starts crying. So, so just go into that, veer into that. So anyway, before the father could even ask them, they came with this whole facade. And they came to their father and they were crying. Remember the father is a Nabi. <clears throat> My mom and parents will tell you that don't think that we are unaware of what you do. We are almost aware all the time of what you do. But sometimes, just sometimes, we have to overlook certain things. Because if we don't overlook, now I'm not saying you must look everything, overlook everything. And I'm not saying that you must take your children and don't take them to task. You can't have this way, ifrat and tafrit. You have to have a middle line, right? But sometimes you have to overlook it. I had a parent one day when I was teaching and Allah gave me the ability to teach in a school. And the mom phoned me and she said, uh, yeah, I need, you to, I need you to speak to my son. And so I said, okay, what's the problem? And amongst other things, she says, no, my son wears jeans. <laughs> and I was like, subhanAllah, that's like if your son is wearing jeans and you're complaining, you must give him a trophy. In this day and age, there's more serious problems than jeans. I'm not saying to wear jeans is correct, etc. But there's a lot of things you have to overlook. And today, the man, subhanAllah, is a very responsible man. The man is running his own company. So there's a lot of things we have to overlook. If we take them to task for everything, what will happen? Eventually, they'll stop listening. I tell my, 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 my sister-in-laws, my wife, and I tell the ladies also uh, who are in the family, don't shout too much. You know, the, 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 the ladies often say that, uh, now this is parenting. The ladies often say that uh, the children don't listen. When we go home, when we enter the home, the husband enters, as I said the other day, the first thing you hear about is how bad a father you are. Because she has to see to everything. She has to see to the children and the cooking and the cleaning and go to work. If you, sister, carry on shouting for everything and carry on screaming for everything, it's really not going to make a difference. Then what's going to happen is they do something and they already have anticipated, yeah, it's going to happen again. Okay, so we know what's going to happen. She's just going to scream. She's going to put us in the room and she's going to put a light off and we like the darkness. Subhanallah. So, I mean, what's the big deal? She's just going to scream. And then they're not going to listen. And then thereafter, it's going to become rude. 
Because they're going to react, how, of, how much can you scream? How much longer are you going to scream? So you're just screaming and screaming and screaming. And eventually the child is like telling you that stop screaming, but they say it in other ways. So in terms of parenting, you have to overlook certain things. You can't scream and shout for everything. At the same time, the children must take responsibility and then they can't mess up all the time. So again, it must be a balance. So sisters, a very important lesson. Don't just scream. Don't just shout. As we said, listen to what your children have to say. Take them, sit them down, speak to them, ask them, give them some explanation, use the hanger, use some chilies, whatever the case might be, whatever works for you. But don't over-scream, don't overdo it, and don't underdo it. Okay? Spare the rod, spare the rod spoil the child. We don't want to now get a big rod, and he's, I mean, that's not a, uh, your son or your daughter is not a target, right? You don't have to do that, subhanAllah. So, Listen to what they have to say, but at the same time, they need to listen to what you have to say. If you are firm with them, subhanallah, you'll make an impact and a difference. If you scream at everything they do, eventually nothing that you say will make a difference and an impact. You don't have to, at the same time, remember, you don't have to give your child a good hiding. Sometimes parents are like, you're working on my nerves. You're working on my nerves. It's almost like they're preparing like boxes. You're working on my nerves. You work, SubhanAllah. And you're kind of thinking like, I'm not even ready for this, man. I mean, you at least tell me when is the date for this working on my nerves thing. So I know. I, I, I can be prepared, you know. So, so you can't do that. You can't plan to hit your children. It can't be that because if you plan to do that, it's almost like, you, like you're putting some sort of anger. And, and hitting your child. And if, you, if, if, if we discipline our children with anger, it's not going to work. We need to discipline them with love, right? And, and somebody might be sitting and thinking, oh, the sheikh is talking too big and whatever. And, and, and there are many examples of the Prophet ﷺ. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll just quickly um, take us through our life. And we mentioned this the year before last when we discussed Yusuf ﷺ. Remember there was a time when... Children who are one, two, three, four, found it very, very difficult to do anything because they would break their dad's heart, right? One. Two, if they did something and the father just looked at them, right? Like you went to somebody's house and before you went into the house, they told you, if they give sweets, take one. I'm warning you, take one only. So now... You go to, the, you go to the, 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 the people who you're visiting and you take one and the people say, no, no, let him take, let him take. And you go, for, you're going, you know, you, 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 you're attempting and, and there's the look, right? And, and, and the little child says, uh, no, I don't. I say, no, no, take, 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 take. And, and you, just, you just pass that glance and it's almost like, I think it's about that time, you know, it's coming when you get home type of thing. So it's just the look. It's just the look that's combined with the love, because the child says, look, I fear that something's going to happen. And when we go home, what happens? The father, but I told you don't do that. You don't kill your child for taking a sweet, right? But you teach them. I told you don't do that. Hassan, they were eating. The grandchildren of the Prophet Sallallahu they were eating um, dates. But the dates were, were from the zakah. While they were eating, he, he grabbed it and he took it out of their mouth, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So teaching is important. So how we teach them is even more important. With lots of love and care. Then from four, five, six, it was still like that. And as we said, you ask a youngster, who's got the best car? My father, who's got the best wife? My father, no, no, don't ask them that question. 
You ask them, who's got the best of everything? My father, my father, my father. Who's the smartest? Who's the most handsome? And then they get introduced to dunya. And at some stage in all of that, we forget them and they forget us. At some stage in all of that, the link breaks because we become too busy. At some stage, you actually see kids coming to their parents and like hitting them on their, sho on, on their shoulders, on their laps, and like, I'm talking to you. Just listen to me for a second. You're on your phone. You've been on your phone for like forever. I'm saying something. Listen to what your children have to say. So subhanAllah, somewhere along the line, there's a break, right? You see many people, <clears throat> subhanAllah, who have a relationship with their fathers and their mothers, and it's a relationship that's continuous, right? So it's such a relationship that even when they're 20 and 30, the, the, the young man will tell you, hey, if my father says, if my father says something, finish. But I can go to my dad. I can talk to him. I love him. I care for my dad. If he says something, I get very, very worried. But at the same time, subhanAllah, I love him. At the same time, he's been open. At the same time, he always listens. If there was a problem, I went to him. How many of us can say that if our children have a problem, they can come to us? Do you know, do you know the amount of children in schools? And I'm not talking about now, you know, 15, 16, because that happens very, very regularly. Let me tell you, it happens very regularly. They come, they speak to the Malana, the Apa, whatever. Do you know the amount of kids in primary school who go, to, who go to their teachers? Do you know this? Alhamdulillah, they go to their teachers because the teachers listen. Because at home, nobody listens. These are children in primary school. And so what are we doing? We're throwing them away because we're too busy listening to ourselves. And so what do you expect? What do we expect? When at age 12 and 13, we're saying that the kids are not listening to us. They're not going to listen because you weren't listening. So we have to listen all the time. We have to give and take. May Allah, may Allah Jalla wa ala grant us the understanding. Amin ya Rabbal Alameen. In addition to that, they say to their father, listen, they give an excuse. So here they're speaking. They're crying, they're speaking, this whole, this whole plan, and it's all put together. And in addition to that also, so it's three ayats all together. They placed blood on the shirt, but they forgot to tear the shirt. Okay? So the wolf was very, very kind. So they're explaining to their father, subhanAllah, we went running. And when we went running, we forgot Yusuf, because obviously he couldn't keep up with us. Uh, and, and, and the wolf ate him just as you had thought. And, and, and really, I mean, you won't even believe us even if we're talking the truth. Children say this. You know, I, why, why must we even tell you? Rather give me hiding. It's okay, I'll just take the hiding. Say, no, what you, no, tell me. No, 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 it's okay, I'll just take the hiding. Last time you didn't even listen. <laughs> you mean, that means that child's got something up his sleeve. Okay? They, they took a ram, a sheep, and they, they cut it, they slaughtered it, and they placed the blood on the on the shirt of Yusuf alayhi salatu wa taslim. The father looks at the shirt and he realizes that subhanallah there's a, there's a sign on this. Just like there's a sign that will come later on in the shirt of Yusuf alayhi salatu wa taslim that proves something about Yusuf alayhi salam. The father looks at the shirt and says amra. You have planned something. He looks at it and he says, you have planned something, right? Because, the you know, like, like the shirt's not torn, the evidence just doesn't add up. But he doesn't say that to them. Because in all possibility, he's thinking that the plan of Allah is in motion. And what does this tell us? That at some time in our lives, 
when something is happening and you're not sure why it's happening at that particular moment, then don't unnecessarily try to solve it. Let it happen. Let it go through. Let one day pass, two days pass. Like for example, let's give you an example. A man is probably suspecting that his wife is having an affair. Or the woman is suspecting that the husband is having an affair. Now, it's a bit of a problem. It's not a, it's not a small thing. It's a big thing. It's really something that, that can create lots of problems. But just relax. Take it easy. Put your ducks in a row. Make sure that you are level-headed. Because often when you are not, you'll find things that you don't want to find. You'll find things, subhanAllah, that you, you want to find. You'll see that things that, you know, you think are true. So give it a day, give it two days, find out correctly. Allah says, in Ja'akum Fasiq, maybe somebody came and they told you, find out properly, فتبينوا, and to see bijahala. Why? Because there's a possibility that people might be harmed because we don't properly, properly assess the situation. So he looks at the, at the blood, he looks at the shirt, it's almost like it, the, the, the wolf was a very kind wolf. It's like it, you know, it's like took the shirt off nicely because the shirt wasn't torn, right? It's like the wolf was taking the apron, putting it and was having its, its meal. So he says, this was from, from the things that Yaqub said to his children. He says four things in the surah that Allah speaks about. The first thing he says to them was that I fear that it's not that I don't trust you, right? I just fear, rather there's five things. The one is he says, don't say this to your brothers. He's, he doesn't say that I suspect them or they're bad. He says, maybe shaitan is bad and will. The second thing that he says to them is, I fear that the wolf will eat them. He doesn't say that I fear you will do something to them. But he's hinting already in his mind to them and in his words that, that it seems that there's a plan hatching up in this process. Now the plan, has, the plan has come to the fore. But it's Allah's system that when things happen, sometimes Allah won't even allow the thought to enter your head. Two years later, you're like, how, can I, how didn't I think of that? Two years, you say, I, it was such an easy solution. Two years later, you're sitting and you said, I wouldn't have lost my job. If it was just, you know, if it was just that. What do you mean? You're just like, turn this button off, turn this button on. Wow, that's it. Sometimes Allah doesn't want that to happen because Allah wants bigger. If Allah allowed him to find Yusuf salam, they wouldn't have been the rule of Misr. Misr wouldn't have been conquered and wouldn't have had Islam, subhanAllah. So he says, فَصَبْرٌ Jamil." says, listen, patience is beautiful, but it's easy to say patience is beautiful. He's going to see his son 50-something years later. He's going to see his son 50-something years later, and we'll, we'll calculate that, inshallah, as we get to that place. And he says, Can you believe a father who, who is losing his son, probably his favorite son, because there's a guarantee of Nabuwa coming to him, the son who he is taking care of because the two of them lost their mother. So at this very tender age, he lost this son, it's almost like, how do I explain? How do I live with myself? What do I do now going forward? How do I live with these people, the 10 of them, you know? How do I live with my children knowing that they stole my money? I mean, how do I forgive? How do I, but, but this is the marvelous story of Yusuf alayhi salam. 
Not only did he live with them, not only did he forgive them, not only in some way, but he still continued teaching them. The teacher says, how did you do that? You cheated in the exam. I'm not going to teach you again. Or you went and you lied about me. You made a story, an allegation. And so what happens is we as teachers, we refuse to look at their child. We make their child one that's like an outcast, right? This is the father. He is the teacher. There's something committed against the father. Yet in all of this, all he says is, Sabarun Jamil, indeed patience is beautiful, right? You'll continue to be my children as you always have been my children. And this is the third thing that he says to his children. And then he says, Allah is the, the being who will assist in all of that that you have described. He didn't say, subhanAllah, upon that which you have done. He said, you, you have described it. You, you've given me this scenario. Okay, maybe it's the scenario. Maybe it's not the scenario. I don't know. That's why also in legal consultation, when we're sitting with people who are going through marital difficulties, what do we say to them? We say, listen. So sometimes the wife comes first, and then the husband, and then the both of them. So what we, what we say is, because it gives each other a fair chance, sometimes they might be intimidated, etc. So when the sister talks, we say, okay, if what you're saying is as you are saying it, if, as you are, if, if, as, if what you're saying, or if what you are describing is as it is, then this is probably what we're going to have to do. Then the husband comes in, and we say, if what you're saying is as you are describing it, then subhanAllah, now you take the two together. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam never ever entertained any story except that the person who the complaint was made against was there. He didn't do that. So thus, Ya'qub alayhi salam, because there wasn't a proof that was conclusive. So at that particular moment, he didn't know where's his son. It's, conclu it's, it's, it's inconclusive uh, evidence. He just says, we're going to have to accept that story for now. And then travelers come, they throw their bucket, they send one of their persons to get water from the well where Yusuf alayhi salatu what Taslim is. And we learn another lesson from this that um, when we are in need and our hearts are with Allah indeed, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send somebody to assist. It, it always happens. You, you, you know, you're at, you at the supermarket, you're standing in the queue, and all of a sudden you realize you forgot your, you forgot your wallet. Now, don't do it on purpose, because then you won't get any assistance, you know. Um, so, so you just sometimes, you're in an emergency situation, you're at, the, you're, at the, you're at the pharmacy, you have to get your medication. And then the person behind says, okay, you know what, don't stress about it, I got this. You don't know who the person is, you don't know where they're from, they're not even Muslim, they're not, you, nothing. They've never met you before, you've never met them before. It's just an act of human kindness. The person comes and this is Allah. This is Allah doing this because you did something else. SubhanAllah. They say if a person, and, and how do we explain this? If a person continuously attends the janazah of many, many people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make people attend his janazah. If a, according to the hadith, if a person makes dua for people when he is alive, Allah will make people make dua for him when he is dead. So similarly, if a person does for other people, you know, sometimes I'm like, hey Allah, why am I doing this? I don't even know why I'm praying. I don't even know why I'm praying because it seems like you're playing. I'm just saying. So, that's not the point. The point is, if you do, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make people even do for you. So, وَجَاءَتْ سَيَّارَ فَأَرُسَلُوا وَارِدَهُمْ فَأَدَلَا دَلْوَةً 
and when they picked Yusuf والسلام, up, said, غلام, this is indeed a boy. Now what do we do? Handsome boy. And, and, and it's almost like in those days, slavery was common. They hid him in, the, in, the, in, in, in all of the goods that there was in the commodities. And Allah knew what they were doing. So firstly, they were stealing. Okay, so Allah knew that. So if we steal, Allah knows. They were lying. They kept him hidden. They were going to call him a slave. Allah knew that. So you don't think, and that's why Allah Jalla wa'ala says, وَلَا تَحْسَبَنَّ اللَّهَ غَافِلًا عَمَّا يَعْمَلُ الظَّالِمُونَ Don't think that Allah is unaware of what the oppressors do. So they're killing the Muslimin. They're raping the mothers. They're leaving no fathers alive. They're making them widows. You don't think Allah was aware of this in the time of Fir'aun. You don't think Allah is aware of this in Palestine at the moment. Don't you think Allah is aware of this in Burma? So what is, what is all of this? This is indeed Wallahu alimun bima ya'malun. It's Allah. It's Allah allowing as He wants to allow. Why? <laughs> I can't tell you. There are some questions of Allah. Like in the 16th Jews, when Khidr killed that boy, innocent boy. Why? Why would you do it? We don't know. That's the hidden knowledge of Allah. Why? So we have now understood that there are two things with regard to why. The first why is when we get our reason. And the second why, more often than not, is when we don't get our reason. And that's the more powerful why. It's the more powerful why because on that we have to rely. That's the more powerful why. When I can't find a reason for what is happening, that's the more powerful why. And so we ask Allah Jalla wa'ala to grant us the ability in the Jews uh, to, 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 to practice on, on, on these concepts and uh, to bring iman in that everything happens because of the will of Allah. Today's recitation, I'm just going to take from Surah An-Nur. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very, very deeply speaks about zina and the punishment of zina. And, and how people who accuse people of zina also go through, uh, will, will, be, will, will be given a great amount of torment and difficulty. Their shahada and testimony won't be accepted. But what I wanted to speak about was one of two or three things. One, Allah speaks about sattar, Allah speaks about parda in this particular surah. Allah Jalla wa'ala in this surah describes the height of parda, the height of niqab and hijab. Allah says, ultimately, let us assume, just let us assume for a second. If everybody was naked, if everybody was naked, right? How would you have made parda if everybody was naked? Some people will say, I'll look up and I'll say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan. That's not parda, brothers. How would, you, how would you do it? You and everybody else would just keep your gaze on the floor. Now, if my gaze is in the flow, and your gaze is in the flow, and if everybody's gaze is in the flow, that's parda. That is why Allah Jalla wa'ala says, Now, this command is not when we're naked, it's even when we are clothed. Allah says, when people are clothed also, lower your gaze. Why? Because you see the clothes, and then you see, and then you see, and then you're interested. I say also, not only the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said that there will come a time close to, the, uh, close to Qiyamah when women will be dressed naked. They will be fully clothed but naked. There will be somebody, who will have, there will be some of them who will have such tight clothes that will be all revealing. 
Right? So even that is not parda. So The men must lower the gaze. Secondly, they must protect their private organs. That is more beautiful for them. Now let's go to the sisters. Say to the sisters, Lower your gaze. And protect your private organs. This is just in case somebody shoots me, I can be raising my hand and making dua. Do not expose your beauty except that which is normally common. And draw your veils over your shoulders. We're not going to go now into the discussions of parda and niqab and whether that is compulsory or not. The ulama say the minimum requirement is the hands and the face at minimum. That can be over. That's it. And the feet. Okay? But to add to that, let us just take this dimension. Your sister passes away. Your mother passes away. We make the salatul janazah. Nobody desires her. She's dead. She's not desirable. You're missing her. There's a disconnect. We take her now into the beer. We take her to the qabr. Right? We all know this is what happens. Then what do we do? Nobody desires her. She's wrapped in kafan. For the sisters who are unaware, she's wrapped in kafan. I'm sure you've made ghusl before, sisters. So she's wrapped in kafan. That even is scary to see somebody wrapped in kafan. Now what do they do? They make sure firstly that only the mahrams enter the qabr. That's what they do first. After the mahrams enter the qabr, they make sure that only the mahrams lift the body. But before lifting the body, subhanallah, they take a sheet and they cover the dead body that's enshrouded in a janazah. Fatima radiallahu anha said, when I die, bury me in the darkness of the night a woman who has passed away that is not desirable has coffin that is scary is covered by another cloth my sister what do you think you're supposed to be doing in terms of covering yourself number one Allah speaks about in this particular surah it won't take too long inshallah but it's a lesson just to take home to your daughters, your wives. Allah speaks about in the surah that it's okay for the wife, it's okay for the girl, for the lady, to drop her guard a little bit, right? So you don't have to make parada in front of your father, in front of your brother, in front of your nephews and, and the like, which Allah speaks about. Despite saying that, will you allow your sister or Unless there's no shame. And the Prophet ﷺ says, when there's no shame, then you'll do as you please. Then you'll have incest, then you'll have taboo relationships, then you'll have impregnations where the son impregnates the mother and the father impregnates the daughter and don't think this is not the reality. If you and I 
can take pleasure in seeing and it happens. Beauty in our aunts. You ask the boys, and the boys speak about it sometimes. One will say to the other, you must see my auntie. Subhanallah, astaghfirullah. You must see my auntie. That's your father's sister. It's haram to be with his name. You must check my auntie, subhanallah. So if you get into that, then eventually the next thing is, you can get to looking at your sister and your mother, subhanallah. Right? And porn sites around the world, porn sites have specific categories that are dedicated to this year. Which insight further and where it is easiest to get, where is the easiest? At home. So anyway, the sister, the girl, would she dress up if she has shame with a mini skirt in front of her father? Would she do that? No. Allah has said that it's okay to drop her guard a little bit. But would she do that? No. Would she wear a crop, um, a crop top, as they say, with the navel and the belly button and whatever uh, pierced? Would she do that? No. She wouldn't do it, right? Would she have such a tight jeans that you can't make out the back from the front? Would she do that? She wouldn't do that. Allah is saying that it's permissible to drop your guard in front of these people. Yet, she chooses to dress with humility in front of these people because it's not appropriate. So if it's not appropriate to dress and you dress in a manner that's appropriate in front of these people, how can the sister or your daughter or your wife, how can you make her a trophy wife, a trophy daughter? How can you in the malls allow her to dress up in a condition that would not be allowed in front of her parents, her brother or her nephews, even though she's allowed to drop her guard. You decide if paradise compulsory or not. And lastly, and I say this with the most genuine, genuine of intentions. What is parda? Parda, sisters and brothers, niqab and hijab and whatever the words might be. Beautiful words nowadays. It is the concept of keeping somebody safe and secure. That is parda. Safe and secure. That's what is parda. It is the concept of maintaining chastity and haya. That is parda. Parda is not necessarily covering somebody up. If parda is covering somebody up, then we need to take beautiful men and also put clothes over them. Because there are some beautiful men. Right? It's about maintaining chastity and haya. That is why when we dress, you find certain sisters, subhanallah, they dress, they have a burqa, they have, so you can't see, it's not even revealing. Parda means rather you spend time, whenever is necessary, you go out of your home. Whenever it's not necessary, you stay in your home. That is what is parda. The sahaba were all like this. It might not be as, as you're having your samusa now, just take it out. It might not be so nice as to hear what I'm saying, but that's the truth. And to the sisters who are in parda already, to the sisters who are wearing cloak, mashallah, may Allah grant you and increase you in good. And to the sisters or not, may Allah get you there. And may Allah take us all to the height of, our, of, of taqwa. But I just want to say to the sisters who are in jilbab, who are in parda, etc. When we young men talk, right? And, and I'm not saying we talk all the time. <laughs> but, but, but it happens. The sisters talk and the brothers also talk. Now may Allah grant us the ability to make istighfar. The sisters will say, wow, hey, that mufti is very, very handsome, eh? Other ones say, no, he's not handsome, he just dresses well. Other ones say, no, 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 really, you know, I mean, whatever, we're not gonna, I mean, whatever, whatever the case might be. Or 
And then the brothers will talk and they'll say, oh, that guy's wife, na'udhu billah. And, and people know about it, right? There's even discussions about, the brothers will tell you, that sometimes it's nicer to look at women who are in parda than women who are not in parda because they look so beautiful and you want to see what's underneath. It's nicer to look at women who are in parda. Now the sister is saying, why do you want to look at me? The Prophet ﷺ asked his two wives, there was a blind man that was there, they were looking at him. Not with lust, not with desire. They said, oh Prophet of Allah, but he's blind. He said, are you too blind? Are you too blind? So sister, if you're wearing parda, or sister, if you're not wearing parda, don't doll yourself up. You can't be putting eyeshadow and then making your eyelashes bigger and then perfume and then having your matching uh, peel of Q-Tex and you take it off and you... I'm, I'm just saying, right? And then expect people not to be noticing you because then in some way or the other, although alhamdulillah, you're doing a great thing, but in some degree, to some degree, you are defeating the purpose of parada. So you are there, you are halfway or three-quarter way there. The next step now is to understand the concept. And the concept is not to be appealing. The concept is to be appealing at home and to be revealing in the bedroom. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to reach the ceiling. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala barik wa barik ala sayyid al-mursaleen. Amin alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.